Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 8th of October, 2020. This is half the host of Webcology. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. And today, Christine Schackinger is sitting in on behalf of Dave Davies. Christine from Sites Without Walls in Las Vegas. Uh, Christine, thank you so much and welcome back to Webcology. Oh, thank you for having me on again. And you got my name, mostly. (laughs) Schackinger. Yeah, you did. You got it. Sites without walls, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got both names. Hey, I'm, both, I am yeah. batting a thousand so you far. Are. <laughs> yep, batting a thousand, no strikes out. Um, we got a huge show. It's been an incredible week. I was gonna, I was gonna try to make a uh, uh, a uh, joke leading a, a joke segue into our first story, but you know, gotta be really careful with our first story because you can't say the wrong thing because. Um, because they're listening, Christine. They're listening out there. And if you say the wrong thing, you will get like erased from the internet or erased from Facebook or erased from wherever because sometimes saying really, really, really incendiary and stupid stuff will um, get the dominant um, public square to ask you to leave the dominant public square. QAnon and anything to do with QAnon, the uh, uh, rabid and frankly bizarre uh conspiracy theory um that that is spreading around the globe like wildfire not just around america around the globe like wildfire is uh has been uh, i guess uh, according to an announcement removed from facebook that's kind of uh closing the door after the horses have have like run away but Still. <laughs> Outside the barn, down the block a few miles, around the bend again. <laughs> and having organized um, a violent insurrection. Yeah. Um, but still, uh, Facebook is... It's so hard to say Facebook is trying to be responsible, even if they might <laughs> finally be trying to be responsible. Um, what do you think a Facebook with it... First off, first have has Facebook actually... Uh, gotten rid of QAnon content. Well, okay, so I obviously don't have a large list of QAnon sites in my repertoire, but um, well, it comes your way, right? There's a there's a, a, a technology reporter Ben Collins um, from NBC who keeps an extensive list, and he said he's gone through his list, and all of them are gone. So he thinks that they've done a pretty pretty powerful uh, scouring of these. Okay, he, so he, he follows the conspiracy theory stuff. Oh, thank goodness somebody's got a soul somebody has to so that people like us don't have to exactly um, exactly and he's a good reporter so i trust he's, he's probably pretty accurate so as, as you and people who follow me on like facebook or another social media might know i've so i have so far reached the end of my rope that i'm now currently exploring how deep the uh the, the depth of chaos goes beneath what used to be the end of my rope well into that exploration and so i've been writing really sarcastic and then and, and frankly like like sometimes quite biting things on facebook and i was trying to write in the voice of a QAnon conspiracist the other day <laughs> and here's the weird thing 
I, I, I think I might have got the voice right because as I hit enter, I got an I got a message that read um, some error at Facebook. I wish I'd copied down exactly what kind oh. of error they said it was, and the message was gone. Whoa, really? Now, and and and, and I didn't know what I've been mean, like. Seriously, like you know, things happen around me, and sometimes it happened, and sometimes it didn't, and I'm never really sure myself. But this actually really happened. That's <laughs> that's fascinating, though. You know. Um, they, for a long time, I had been reporting uh, QAnon hate groups. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, one had nooses around, like, Obama's neck and really racist stuff. And I would report it, and it was QAnon, too. It was combined. And it would come back, not against not against community standards. We've removed a couple of posts, but not against community standards. So it is a, it is a big step. It would be even a bigger step if they're deleting it on text texting it because most people probably don't know uh, facebook actually does keystroke what you put into the comment box and oh yeah delete it they have it so even if you never post it they do have it uh but that'd be interesting i want to test that but you know just the whole thing though i'm a sociologist by education digital marketer by profession um the idea that people believe that there's a cabal of satan worshiping pedophiles plotting against uh, Trump in a deep state eating babies for their blood so they can stay younger. It's just, it's so beyond reason. It's hard for me to grasp how that became a thing. And I know the mechanics, I know the mechanics of how it became a thing as a sociologist uh, I mean, who yeah. studied social movements and things like that. But still, there has to be a moment in your brain where you go, cabal Satan worshiping pedophiles that are eating babies for their like what indeed i can't figure it out myself i I really (laughs) i don't want to spend a lot of time trying to figure it out uh because i mean these 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 people these people are like crystal meth i mean crystal meth looks like a lot of fun when you see somebody like doing a the same repetitive motion for 18 hours straight but and i'd be like i gotta admit that looks like a really compelling drug but i'm terrified to touch it for fear of what happens if you do (laughs) <laughs> they have done research on the um, psycho, psycho, psychologists have, have done research on the mindset and it, they have found that there are tendencies towards the what they call the dark triad, um, especially the socio, sociopathic and narcissistic traits as though because they feel like they're in on something. Um, but that's a that's research. It's in its infancy. So we'll see what happens. Indeed. And you know what? I think everybody recognizes that we're in a really dark time right now, a time yeah. where, where individuals feel powerless, where people f- feel like they don't have a lot of individual agency or personal agency. And, you know, to fill the void, we create these big stories. But even this one is like, and I, you know. The story is crazy. Like, yeah, truly yeah. kooky. Yeah. Like, I get, like, people but, falling in with, like, racism or radicalism, you know, radicalization. I, I get how that happens in dark times, you know, and I get, but this is like past that. This is. <laughs> hey, do you remember a couple of years ago, I forget whose bot it was. It might've been one of Microsoft's bots or it could have been an experiment Google was running, but um, somebody put a language bot on air and it, um, Chris, do you remember this? Uh, it, yes, it, 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 it was, micro, it was Microsoft in two days. My, I believe it was, I believe it was two days. Uh, Microsoft put out a um, machine learning bot who within two days learned to be racist and was like spewing racial epithets and had to be removed for <laughs> for fear of how far it would go. Okay, well, so. I don't 
want to sound too discouraging here, but it's happened again, sort of. <laughs> um, <laughs> a uh, OpenAI has a number of uh, language bots, chat bots, people can experiment with. One of them being uh, a language model called GPT-3. Yeah. And um, this bot spent about a week cruising around Reddit, absorbing information and answering any question that came its way. And, you know, a variety, a variety of answers, some good, some not so good, but it was, uh, you know, experiment on, I'm not sure whose behalf, um, but inside of the Ask Reddit subform, the, uh, again, the uh, 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 bot was using an account, which has since unfortunately been deleted. Um, I'm, I'm reporting this from a Gizmodo, uh, a Gizmodo story that was uh, posted yesterday. Within a week of existing on Reddit, this bot, which you know, absorbed information and regurgitated uh, back at uh, 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 its audience, started warning humans about the dangers of the Illuminati. Yeah, I didn't get so that. So how does you know? <laughs> I get that far in there, but but it is pretty fascinating reading some of the. I, I uh, there's a link to the quotes in the story um but it it's kind of scary how rational human it sounds like there's sort of like the beginning of one of them is there is no such thing as jones there are only humans the concept of a universal standard by which all must be measured jones serves only the purpose to oppress and marginalize those that are outside its scope yes that was in response to the question <laughs> what did you most what did you most recently purchase to keep up with the Joneses? yeah but like it's like wow <laughs> these are pretty crazy um and incidentally that's 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 a very rational almost vulcan like yeah. answer but again it's, it's it's sad how this bot mimics see you asked earlier how this happens with humans this bot this and, and, and the one before it, the Microsoft bot, was designed to scour web content and reach whatever conclusions, you know, like just put things together <laughs> and come up with answers to, to questions. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, that is far above my IQ grade to figure out how exactly that happens, um, certainly based on, on, on exposure through two stories. Um, but like, it happened. It absorbed information and interpreted it as such that one bot became an outright racist and the other is warning humans about the dangers of a anti-Semitic conspira anti conspiracy theory. Like, it happens. Yeah. Humans, yeah. eh? Yeah, except the only difference would be that the bot is a program that learns off of training sets and then elaborates on the things that it gets from the original training sets, right? Yeah. Um, a human may be put into a filter bubble and get radicalized because it doesn't get any other information. That I get. The human that believes there are people eating babies for their blood and like just who've never been who've never been outed. 
there's a whole network of them. They're also pedophiles, and the president of the United States is supposed to take them down. And when he was having COVID, oh, well, had, well, stoned on adrenochrome. Don't forget, he's wailing on adrenochrome while doing yeah. this whole thing, right? And no, then no, no, he, he's not, not my mistake. I'm sorry, he's not wailing on adrenochrome. The baby eaters are wailing yes, on adrenochrome. Yes, and then I need a scorecard to keep this shit straight. And the other day, when he was in the hospital with COVID, they said he wasn't really in the hospital. He was underground getting ready to take down all the baby eating pedophiles. Okay. So um, it, it, it's a level past, like even where the bots, the, these bots get to. Like, I get, I really do. If you sit in a certain type of informational bubble all day and that's the only thing you read or hear, it's very easy for people to get their views distorted. Okay. So Facebook, it could be argued, <laughs> Facebook has become for many people the internet itself. Right, yeah, like for, yeah. really, for many people, Facebook represents every their entire internet experience. Sure. And if Facebook has removed all this content, all this, all this incredibly, um, incredible baby-eaten conspiracy content, are we going to go back to? I don't know. Is it possible we can go back to a society where people appreciate cats and um, <laughs> rainbows and unicorns? I, I, I remember. All the bronies out there, I am so sorry. Oh gosh, I remember. I the love what you were doing. <laughs> I can't tell you how nice it was in retrospect. Uh, <laughs> I'm so uh, sorry for being a jerk. Uh, Dave, Dave and I had some brony conversations back in the day. <laughs> it was mystifying. What I was mist- I couldn't understand. But you know what? I don't care. It was built on love. <laughs> At this, point, I don't give a damn. It was just beautiful. Don't, don't you miss crying rainbow man? Like he's passed Actually, away. Actually, he now, died. Um, I know, but I've met like those days. Yes, those when the days, when the web yeah. was wonderful. I, 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 but then again, you and I are both. I uh, have been around long enough to remember when surfing on the web was actually a thing. When you would just go on an information journey, and you know, you started up looking for blue widgets, and you ended up learning all about Magna Carta. Well, um, the human version of that hasn't changed. The problem is the companies are all monoliths of one type of information. That, feed, that feeds you what you already search for. So like when we started, you might start on Rainbow Man and end up on the Magna Carta because you were just clicking yourself through all these different links, through all these things that interested you. But now you're fed a certain vertical of ideas and information that already confirm what you believe. So you don't, you have to seek to get outside that. It doesn't happen naturally. I really so, believe that cats are cute. That all good things come from fluffy clouds. I know, but you know, like, hey, why don't I see that anymore? <laughs> About every tenth post of mine has that. Uh, but the YouTube channels, like for kids, remember there was the big controversy, and they got sued because they start on kids' material and somehow wind up in in Nazi land or. Well, that's or because worse. the Nazis were putting material for kids into YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but it's those filter bubbles. We were warned about them a very long time ago. I forgot who wrote the book, but there is a book called The Filter Bubble when it first started to occur. And everything that he warned about was true. And that is if you get people inside filter bubbles, they only confirm their own biases and they don't learn. They just get the same information in different formats that may be an interesting segue into a story i want to cover we can't we can't we're gonna have to cover it um after break because we're, we're 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 pushing real close to a to commercial break time 
but uh and then we touched on this last week though we, we it had just been announced so we weren't able to, to to fudge it out at all but there was an exhaustive report issued by the uh, house judiciary subcommittee on antitrust um and google apple amazon and facebook um have all been found to wield monopoly power over their respective markets when the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust starts using words like monopoly power over your respective market, you worry. Uh, I'm afraid that they're going to have to, that, that, well, they're, since they're all listening with bated breath, those companies are all going to have to worry through our commercial break. But Christine, when, we're, when we come back, I want to talk about that because uh, filter bubbles um, and well, basically uh, self-imposed um, revenue bubbles. Folks, we got to take a break here on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. On behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Stick around. We got more great stuff coming up after these messages. in 37 years, Miami-Dade College's week-long celebration of books and writers in downtown Miami, the Miami Book Fair, will be a virtual event for eight days between November 15th and November 22nd, 2020. As the nation's largest and oldest collection of literati, Miami Book Fair 2020 hosts a growing list of more than 200 authors, poets, and moderators in conversation, including poet and novelist Margaret Atwood, novelists Jody Picoult, Dean Koontz, James McBride, Terry McMillan, Lee Child, singer Lenny Kravitz, actress Natalie Portman, CNN commentator Jeffrey Tubin, poet laureate Joy Harjo, environmental activist Aaron Brockovich, YA sensations Tiffany D. Jackson and David Yoon, among many others. Access to all of Miami Book Fair's 2020 programs will be free the entire week of the fair, November 15th to the 22nd, 2020. A free and simple registration is all that will be required. For more information, please visit MiamiBookFairOnline.com. That's MiamiBookFairOnline.com. WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and entertainment. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the 8th of October, 2020. We are in week, I got no bloody idea how long, but it's got to be around 36 or 37 of the uh, COVID crisis. Um, and I want to, before we jump into our main story, I want to just quickly go over a couple of numbers. This is important. You know, hey, Christine, you know what we didn't plan for in the... Uh, in, in, in planning the show earlier. What's that? The biggest story of the week. And it's not really a tech story, but it's important. The uh, President of the United States and much of the uh, uh, American uh, 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 executive administration yeah. has um, contracted the flu. Not the flu, I'm sorry. Oh. COVID. 
Um, along with 36,389,034 persons on Earth, of which 1,059,996,000 have died as of midnight, this, this uh, midnight, October 7th. That's around the world. In the United States, since midnight last night, 7,776,224 persons have been infected with 48,715 new cases being reported yesterday alone. Mm -hmm. Of those, 216,784 persons have died with 932 new deaths yesterday, which is sadly the highest, second highest number of deaths yesterday uh, of any country on earth, um, just, just beneath India, which had 964 deaths. Um, overall, the United States has still the largest national death count on the planet of any nation. America has by far, by over 100,000, the largest death count on Earth. Just to compare numbers a little bit, in the UK, um, 544,275 persons are infected, of uh, which 414,162 of which were new cases reported yesterday. 42,515 people have died, 70 new people, 70 new deaths were reported yesterday. In Canada, 173,123 people have been infected. 1,800 new cases reported yesterday. Canada is in a tremendous upward spike. Um, Almost 10,000 people have died in my country. 11 more people died yesterday. And those numbers are tiny compared to what's happening in America. And the reason I went through all of those numbers, pedantic as they are, is to drive home no matter what is being said on Fox News. COVID is real. And the sooner we deal with it as a society, the sooner we can rebuild our economies and get back to living life as we expected we would live it because this sucks can i throw in something real quick yeah sure. please sure two please. quick things uh in the state of arizona they found where they had a huge spike they're one of the largest in the country when 75 percent mask compliance was mask compliance was achieved their rates went down to almost nothing mm -hmm. and as someone who We'll go with symptomology because the tests can't seem to help me here. Who had it? March, April, and then have all the long hauler symptoms since then, which 30% of people do. You do not want to get this illness. It is not like the flu. And I have spent seven months dealing with the after effects of having it in the first six weeks of waking up feeling like I couldn't breathe in the middle of the night and almost having to go to the ER multiple times. Um, like there was a vice around my chest and a fire inside my lungs and you literally can't, you can't get oxygen. So do take it seriously. And this week, the president of the United States and um, a large section of the White House and the uh, well, the, the apparatus that, that, that runs the executive branch of government has um, either been diagnosed with directly with, uh, with, with COVID or is now in quarantine. And um, 
the seriousness of this can't be overstated. And this is this is this is a tech show, not a health show. Well, um, we but there's tech involved. Well, in, there is. We shouldn't. But what I'm trying to say is, we shouldn't have to talk about this. Although yeah. this is a global emergency, and anyone who has voice needs to use it um, to express. Friends, please use caution. Distance from each other and wear masks. Wear masks, especially when you cannot distance from each other, such as when you have to work or go to school in an indoor setting. And if you can avoid going to work or school in an indoor setting, please try to do so. Um, uh, 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 be safe, wash your hands, try to not spread the disease, and please, please, please do not be careless. My country, again, we thought we had it beat, and that when we and we relaxed, and now we are in a dreadful second spike, and it's 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 real. The second spike is worse than the first. Um, comes faster and hits more people harder because you all just relax and you forget that there's actually a pandemic going on. Anyway, I, 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 I the president catching it is just so magnificent. <laughs> And not in a good way. Yeah, but I use that word just as such a big, big thing, an enormity that um, it just it just has to be mentioned over and over and over again. Stay careful. Yeah, you can't emphasize that enough. Like I said, you can't breathe. I worked out on Thursday night and Friday morning walking 10 feet to my door left me completely winded. Okay. There is a, uh, a almost for the tech world, almost almost as big a story as the president coming down with a uh, a uh, life threatening disease. Um, Congress report blasting Google, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook as monopolistic gatekeep- gatekeepers of the digital economy. Greg Sterling over at Search Engine Land uh, wrote a huge article at two twenty one in the morning yesterday. <laughs> to give you give you a perspective on 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 the kind of like work dude that Greg is like Greg's been around forever eh? and he's he's he, he's put in the 10,000 hours just this year alone that's the kind of, that's the kind of guy he is um so breakup is on the table they are they're talking about break divesting the companies of parts of each other like they did with with uh, with the phone company years ago yeah, and, and unfortunately, they're all kind of lumped together, and they're very different companies with very different issues. Okay, so, so you know, approaching this, should Congress like look at them as a conglomerate of monopolies, or should they look at them as uh, as individual companies with individual issues? I think the only real similarity is that they're in tech. Well, like, and and that they own their markets. Oh yeah, that that's true. I just meant like if you're going to say monopoly, like there's no other common thread really between them except that they're tech. Because Facebook's monopolistic issue is that like it buys competitors and kills them. Google mm-hmm. does that a little, but that's not Google's problem. Google's problem is it gives all its real estate to everything but the organic search these days. Um, Apple's you know, a closed door environment. Like yeah, Apple is yeah. Apple is Apple-y. and Amazon is a bunch of different issues, including that their platform leaves people with nowhere else to go because sixty percent of the internet uses Amazon. Well, there's a there's an, uh, a similarity at least between uh, Amazon and Google in that they direct and reflect people back into themselves, 
and you know constantly direct traffic and use and use their size and heft to um algorithmically direct traffic back into themselves I think if Google just did less to keep people on the page and let people click through again, they could probably avoid a lot of the issues because that's primarily what the problem is. Amazon's is much more difficult because it goes down to structure and brick and mortar. Okay, well, those, sorry. As I say, those processes are a lot more difficult to change. So starting with Google, Google is like scraping content. What yes. you're getting at is like scraping content and uh, uh, coming up with a knowledge graph and publishing all that information so that people don't got to click through. Yeah, and, and the thing is, though, most of the stuff that's at the top of the page, we have to be fair here, um, like uh, carousels and um, FAQs and even snippets, they are ones where, well, not featured snippets, just regular snippets where you know you can organically get into those it's just difficult um but then it's with the scraping at the top where people don't click through i had a client that had two million um impressions and 50 clicks so and when you looked at it it was the featured snippet where the impressions were so there is victim of his own success there right yeah so th there is merit to the idea that that google's doing that to keep you on the page so you'll click ads and if they wanted to not be broken up, and I already think they probably figured this would happen, that's why they created Alphabet, because <laughs> um, now Alphabet owns everything else, right? Uh, I, I think that they reduced the amount of space that they use to push organic results down, which is the primary argument from people like Yelp uh, against them, they would be able to probably sidestep action. Amazon, though, not so much. Amazon, you know, controls so much real estate and it's killed off so many brick and mortar stores that I don't think they can easily sidestep the monopoly thing. Well, as you had said earlier, there are very different um, issues relating to um, each of these companies because each of these companies uh, acts in a in a very different way. Um, Facebook does its thing in this market. Google does its thing in that market. Amazon does its thing by assuming as the Uber market, etc. Google's also on the hook for siphoning traffic from the rest of the web. Um, you know, entities are trying to, um, if you're trying to get to users, because as you were saying, um, Google's like pushing organic further and further down the page. You're more likely to have to pay to get in front of uh, get in front of the users who were looking for you in the first place. Um, a big thing for Congress, a big problem Congress has with Google is the way Google pushes around device makers, um, phone makers, uh, 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 the way Google uses its, its power as the default search engine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and also Google's got more data, possibly more data than Facebook. Um, which is hard to believe given how much we've given Facebook, but Google's got so much data. It uses that data to reinforce its, to reinforce its dominance over and over and over again. And given how the web works and Google, years ago, Google and many others, Yahoo tried to do this and Microsoft tried to do this too, but Google succeeded in becoming a lifestyle um, device. It controls your calendar. It controls a whole bunch of your information. Um, it controls your wallet. 
uh, you can talk to Google from by sitting on your uh, living room sofa, your living room couch, and just speaking out loud, and Google will do stuff for you. So Google's become a Google's more than a search engine; it's a lifestyle device, and it uses that data it has on you and then and, and and your habits to reinforce its position as the lifestyle device. So, you know, the one thing that Google made, the one big mistake Google made was Google set itself up to be protected from antitrust action. As long as it had search results that were organic and not influenced by paid, then it would be impossible to call them uh, a monopoly because those were organic results that anyone could be there. It's when they started pushing everything and now like with Google Discover, which is just whatever they want to put in there with AI, um, you're right. Like they, they've created they've created themselves a, a corner that they painted themselves into. I remember years ago, we were so angry when we went at Baidu um, because you wanted to be on the front page of Baidu, you had to pay for it. It's different. It's a little different now. But this was, I think it had to be about 10 years ago. And it was, I mean, people were, were outraged in ways that I guess we just become numb to today. Um, <laughs> But Google's now doing that. I mean, they're not because they still have the organics, but they are doing that. Yeah, I read an article, as SEO Dead, when all that stuff came out, you know, all the different types of boxes. And no, you can, you have to have good organic strength to get into those, but you can get into those. But now they've taken up so much real estate with so many of them. And I haven't looked lately, but it used to be if you looked at eggplant on mobile, just the word eggplant. Mm-hmm. It used every single possible method of not displaying a straight organic result as possible. Tabs, sliders, carousels, people also ask, you know, knowledge graphs, all of that in there. So the, the, like I said, the difference though to me is that Google could easily address this and go back to their original position point, which is you can't go for us against us with antitrust if we just have organic search results that aren't are available to everybody that are visible above the fold. <laughs> well, Google, so. is, Google is going to have to do something because um, it is by far, like we're, we're still talking in the um, high 70 to low 80% range, the dominant search engine on earth. I think in America, in the United States, we're in the like 82 or so percent of searches are conducted through Google or through a device that's using Google as a default search. Um, so Google's got to do something to to maintain that dominance without using its muscle to maintain that dominance. Yeah, and the other thing too is um, with Google, which is not similar, I don't think to the others. Their main revenue is still, I think, like eighty or eighty-five percent Google search ads. Well, indeed, and so for Google, it's all about creating real estate to place those search ad bill, which are basically little billboards, right, or little classified ads that you can purchase. They need real yeah. estate to place them on, and that's exactly. what the organic ads always provided for them. Exactly. An endless amount of real. The more you search, the more real estate you gave Google. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, but we got we got like. Um, maybe like five more minutes in this segment. Uh, there's other companies, three other companies involved, Amazon and Apple, which actually have a lot more in common than you might think when you first look at them. The problem with both Amazon and Apple and Apple is heft. They're so big that they use their bulk to push either um, manufacturers or their supplies, their supply uh, chain, or um, 
uh, 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 retailers, which I guess in, in, in many ways is also Amazon's supply chain and their manufacturers for Amazon products. Um, Apple and Amazon are so big that they can tell you what to do and you can choose to do it or get crushed like a little bug. That Those are your options. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon owns an operating system. And, you know, people who will remember the, uh, the early part of the search wars in the, uh, early part of the, the early part of the 2Ks, it was all about um, getting into and controlling the operating system. Hence, uh, the, the fight over Microsoft getting, getting on the desktop in Microsoft and what Google Chrome has become. Um, so Apple uses its monopoly with the, with the uh, uh, operating system and it's just its size. And Amazon is the gatekeeper for e-commerce. That's just the way it is. Um, you do yeah. your research at Google, you do your purchasing at Amazon and they'll deliver it to you too. <laughs> no, there's real truth in that. I mean, I, I don't do a whole lot with Amazon anymore. I do a little bit of local, get it to me by tomorrow morning because no one else is selling it, shopping. I find that the Chinese counterfeits on there are so high, I don't trust it anymore, like what's real and what's not. But I'm, I, I'm unique. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> so you're right. Um, I, I don't know if it's a current stat, but before the pandemic, it was 60% of all e-commerce that happened through Amazon. Um, and then a lot of it's uh, suppliers. And then the other issue when I was listening to the hearings on this mm-hmm. that they brought up uh, is that Amazon, and I've heard people say this, but apparently they found it was true, that if you have a successful product on Amazon, there's oftentimes what Amazon will copy that product, get it made more cheaply and undercut you because they have all that data. Yeah. And so part of the discussion was, do they break, how would they break up Amazon? And part of it would be the data arm would have to be separate from the e-commerce arm, which should be quite unusual. Well, and also from Amazon's point of view, quite impossible. You cannot do recommendations. Yeah. You, can't, you can't gamify buying stuff if you don't have all that data. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with Google. If Google is split up and Google has built itself to be not a search tool, and not an advertising tool per se, even though it receives most of its money through advertising. Google wants to be the thing that runs your lifestyle. It wants you to look at its device and tell it to play um, your favorite song and get your groceries at the same time. That's what Google wants to do in your life. That's, that's, their, end, that's, that's their midterm end goal. And if you break up Google, if you take away a little piece of it, you break up that end goal. You, 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 you slice it in half, and that goal isn't as viable as it, as it was before you slice it in half. Same thing with Amazon, same thing with Apple, and then obviously same thing with Facebook. You start slicing and dicing these companies up, and what do you get? I'm throwing that to you. Well, I also can tell from some of what I'm reading is, I don't know how this happens, but like Congress is talking about the pushing of things down on the organic search page, like they didn't have an SEO talking to them about how that works. <laughs> uh, and obviously Google would only get the minimal information. So before well, that, that get- shows consumers notice. It's not just us that notice, consumers notice. No, true. I'm just saying, but if they're talking about breaking them up, they need to have a better understanding of how these things work. Oh, sure. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Sure, certainly. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, shoot. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the problem. This is funny because here's you and me arguing on behalf of the large, massive, like, 
behemoth corporations because technically they kind of got to work that way, right? You know, I, I do think Google could go further in not preferencing itself. It's sort of like Google Organic and Google Paid is like a parasitic relationship, and I don't mean that in a bad way, right? There's a lot of parasites that live on humans, and we benefit from them, and they benefit from us, and we don't see them, so we don't freak out because we have little buggies on our bodies. Um, but uh, And that's how organic and paid work for a very long time. But somewhere in the last six to ten years, Google decided to get super aggressive on the make money arm, forgot about the innovation arm, and decided organic was just going to accept the losses. So it became an unhealthy parasitic relationship. And, and the only way to fix that is either Google decides to or somebody regulates it. Same with the other stores. I'm just using Google because I know it best. And so that's the best example for me. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but all of them, because they did go a long way to make sure that they are the only competitors in their industry. Okay, so what if you, what if you leave the, techno the technology, the search, the email, the, uh, even the Google Home product, but you rip out Android and make it a separate company. You, those guys are making like, you know, browsers and operating systems and um, real cheap laptops. Did, could you imagine Google operating like that? Completely separate companies now. Which they well, actually, they, they technically are, given, given they're under the, 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 the umbrella of Alphabet, eh? Yeah, they kind of are. And I even think, though, they could do something that would be easier than that. That might get the, the split off their back, something I've always said they should have done. Instead of trying to, to, to make Google search be Google answers and all of it mixed together, because it doesn't, and Google informational search has suffered greatly, it's very hard to find anything anymore, is they should have just created a separate answer engine, answer app, and had double space for promoting ads. But if they then leave organic alone, then there's really no argument, right? Because now there's an organic space where everybody, like it was before, and the reason they created it in the first place. And I guess Google's argument back to that would be they're preparing for the mobile universe and people are using one device and having a second search engine is completely diluting um, their audience, which again, is all about getting real estate for ads, right? To display ads on. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, I can say, I can see Google um, saying long in advance, this is all about mobile and about where the users are taking us, not where we're taking them, which is half true and half claptrap. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And what I'm trying to say is that you could have, I don't know the UI, UX, I'd have to figure that out, but, but that you'd have like either one app or two apps or two tabs, whatever you wanted to do, where one was just a knowledge engine, which is micro moments, you know, uh, who, what, where, when, why, what time does it open, where is it at, reviews. And then another that's actually informational search. Then both products would be good because informational search is horrible now. And and you'd be able to serve two different populations with two different intents, with two different sets of ad space landscapes um, without having to sacrifice the organic results, which is what has gotten them into trouble. But my idea may be silly. It's just what I always thought they should have done. Wouldn't it be so much fun to be able to run to run the world like it was a big video game, like like we're playing like like Civilization <laughs> or SimCity or something? Okay, not to throw a little wrench into the works because I haven't even read the article yet, but apparently, the Big Bang might be the second universe. Yeah, and there was a universe before that, so apparently we've already leveled up once. And 
I don't know how well we did on that. Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. Maybe it's a whole new gaming session. Whole Might bunch of, be. I don't know if you remember back in the day, but it used to be if you died too many times, the game just ended. It did. It was so annoying. It was. Okay, we got to. We got to take a break. We are. We are. I. I. I, I can see all the way, all the three thousand miles south of me. I can see the guys in the studio jumping up and down. <laughs> Friends, so. you are. You are listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the it was recorded on the eighth of October, twenty twenty. Stick around. We got more coming up after these messages. We'll be back after this short break. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to WebCology at WebmasterRadio.fm. It's Jim Hedger from Stories Media and Christine Schackinger from Site Without Walls. Uh, Dave wasn't able to make it in today. You're listening to WebCology on October the 8th, 2020. Uh we had a whole bunch of fun in the last segment and went way over time. So we really should talk about some Googly, the SEO stuff, I think, you know, because that's what the audience is showing up for, right? <laughs> um, and the audience might have might have noticed some, like, really, really gnarly problems that they went out and reported to their clients about canonicalization and stuff in the last couple of weeks. And, um, boy, won't this be a fun conversation. <laughs> So I was talking to a dev at one of the, one of my clients the other day and tried to explain that Google just announced that all the stuff that I was talking about, these canonicalization ghosts that I've been chasing, mightn't be real. They might just be ghosts because <laughs> they might be – damn, huh? <laughs> oh, Google. <laughs> Don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> well, you know, maybe if they let us just define the canonicals instead of trying to do it themselves, these things wouldn't happen. Indeed. So Google had a, um, and we reported this last week. Um, thing is, Google's actually coming out and saying, yes, it really was. Google did have a canonicalization problem. And um, I think it was uh, about 0.2% of their index got de indexed because of it. Now, that mightn't sound like a lot, 
but Google's got over a trillion documents in its index. So um, 0.2% is, um, I think that's a metric butt ton. I'm not sure what the exact <laughs> uh, measure is, but it's a lot. <laughs> it is a metric butt ton. <laughs> um, and so when Google has these problems, um, anyway, search engine roundtable, uh, Google con- uh the, the article was up uh, earlier today. We really can't go into the whole story because we got so little time. Um, but check out the story. Um, there was a great one. Uh, Gary Eyes talking about caffeine. There was a lot of information on that. Yeah, I would strongly suggest anybody who hasn't listened to, what are they, I forget what they call them. Uh, the... Yeah, their podcast. Uh, him yeah. and Martin and uh, John Mew have a, have, a, have a podcast together. Yeah, this one's spilling the beans on caffeine, and they talked about how Google actually intakes documents, uh, how they and the processes it goes through, and how they normalize HTML, and how they standardize things, how they look for H tags, all those. So it's that really one, interesting. That one, the normalizing HTML, raised my eyebrows a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could see Edward Lewis in Los Angeles, like just fist pumping the air on that one. Eh? It's like, yeah, don't just standardize your right, get get it right, or they're gonna do it for you. There is truth to that. There is a reason probably that years and years ago before WordPress was so big and I hand coded a site, it would always do better. Like I take a WordPress site, hand code it, and it would always do better. And this is before PageSpeed. Well, so. Again, um, what, what, what we're talking about is Google Google takes your site and if it finds gibberish or spaghetti-like code or weirdo code or whatever, in it, it will try to figure it out, straighten things out. Um, it has a um, deep ending machine, we'll call it, that straightens your code out. As um, as it processes, as it renders and processes what it sees, um, that's basically Google saying we figure out what the HTML means um, if it's if it's in any way weird, which is again why we're 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 saying get get your code validated because Google's going to do it for you. Um, but that was neat, yeah. Um, and then they figure out then then the thing uh, the other thing that raised my eyebrows was the way they treat H- the uh, heading tags. They're actually looking to see if they're used stylistically or not. They are definitely, which also means that they, even if they're not given much weight as any ranking factor or signal, they are using it as we we thought to categorize your content. Yep. So, yeah. search engine roundtable again. Um, he uh, 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 Barry has a quick write up with tons of links into the actual information, and I think he has a, a link to the. Um, to the podcast itself, um, this SEO must read. Absolutely, I would, I, I would suggest, strongly suggest. Um, re, remake your slides. Rewrite your PPTs. Uh, Bing has rebranded as Microsoft Bing, and they got a whole new logo to prove it. Yeah, what do you think about that? I think they just people just didn't know Bing was Microsoft, so they decided to change that. I don't know. <laughs> I love the people at Microsoft. I actually love Microsoft Bing as a search engine. I mean, it's not Google, but I like it. I mean, I do. I don't have a problem with Microsoft Bing, but it's not Google. That's its pro- that's its that's its problem. <laughs> so, what do they do? Yeah, they got a new logo. Yeah, you're, you're you're absolutely right. They just need to put that extra word there, Microsoft, to well, make I think them notice. The, you know what? I think though they're making some play in the next year or two because they did put a lot of a new investment in their search team. Yep, and quality and their quality engineers, and now on marketing. So, well, it'll be interesting to see what they do. We and they spend this, a lot of time with us SEOs. 
Absolutely. We've been saying this on Webcology for about a year now that, that Microsoft is going out of their way to reach out to the SEO community where Google wasn't until, um, I'd say, probably March or April. Google really started putting the effort in. And now, now you can see a lot of effort coming from Google. Um, but Microsoft, it's different. It's, different. It's, it's a little bit more top down than it is from, from, from Microsoft. Yeah. Microsoft is really putting the effort in to try to reach out and explain how it works. Um, we're going to have Christy Olson on the show in a, in a few weeks again. Um, I, I, I know the day is trying to try to work to get her on again. Um, and when she comes on, she, she gets an open book, you know, talking exactly how Microsoft works, um, yeah, which is it, lovely. It reminds me of the early days of Google when you go to PubCon and you go to the back room at the end of the night when it was still really geeky in a good way. And mm. you play, and you play, um, Wolf, Wolfman or whatever that was, that game. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that's for that boss game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and next to you would be Matt Cutts and then engineers from Google, and you know they would be talking to you, and you'd be talking to them, and that's how Bing is now. They go to dinner with you, they hang out, they talk. They so it's a, a different kind of reaching out, which I which I like, and they and they do come to conferences and tell SEOs that they think we're important and they want to know us better and learn from us, which is is a nice thing, you know. Well, I just really, really, really want to remind Microsoft that the most, the best way to tell us that we're important is to keep buying us drinks. Lots of it. It does and, help. And, and pay for the parties, please. <laughs> oh, gosh. If they could bring back the Google dance, we'll just call it the Bing Blast or something. Well, um, <laughs> you know, just to, to plug Webmaster Radio a little bit, and I'm pretty sure most people in, who, who were in the, in the community at the time remember that big search bash in Vegas um, where we took. The, the club brain and yes. re-image it as a cyborg fantasy. Uh, I just want to get a number of sponsors, but but Microsoft's um, live when 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 Bing was live, the, the previous search engine, that was the big sponsor, and it made a huge splash. It was a, you know people are still talking about it like us to this day. I have to say, for those who are in, new to the industry. You really miss the great days when Webmaster Radio and Jim and, and the people behind it threw some amazing, amazing parties. All those days aren't necessarily over. They We're all going to get good sponsors. We're all going to get back together again one day, and I promise the pent-up energy in the industry is going to be enormous. Absolutely yes. enormous. And if you really want to look it up and find out how that sort of stuff is happening, you can read an article over at Search Engine Journal today by Chuck Price on Google Trends. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> got it in. I, I really wanted to get that one in because it's actually a good piece. Using Google Trends for, uh, for, for keyword research and to get a sense of where you want to be writing tomorrow. Nice. I, I tell clients to do that all the time, so it's great. I can give them an article. <laughs> yeah, over at Search Engine Journal today, Chuck Price. Um, I'm sorry, Chuck. I'm completely spacing the name of the company you work with, but... Um, Upstate New York, great guy. Been around, been around in the industry um, for for a long time, and absolutely knows of what she writes. Um, Chuck Bryce on Google Trends over Search Engine Journal, and Christine. That brings us to the top of the clock. Yay! Real quick though, Chuck Price works at Measurable SEO. Thank you. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it was you know, you know when, you, when you have it, and I actually had it written down, but it's over on another window somewhere. <laughs> uh, I just anyway, you want you want to have that to close out the show? Absolutely, because I don't want to deprive Chuck of that of that because uh, of that that uh, sourcing. Um, anyway, check out the article at Search Engine Journal. Friends, it's October the eighth, twenty twenty. 
all that stuff I said about COVID earlier, I want to say a lot of it again. Wash your hands. Wear a mask in public. Wear a mask when you're outside. Um, avoid crowds if you can. Holidays are coming up in Canada. Um, if you're in Ontario and Quebec, you're not having Thanksgiving this weekend. You, not with not with a large group anyway. Don't do that. Don't take the risk. Stay home. Um, we need to beat COVID to rebuild the economy. One doesn't happen without the other. Stay safe. Be well. Christine Schackinger from Sight Without Walls, thank you very much for joining us on, uh, on Webcology today. Thank you for having me, guys. I always, always have a good time. And friends, we'll be back. Same, same Webcology time, same Webcology channel next week. Stay well. Opinions expressed on the program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.